have learned more in the past decade from genetics than a century of digging up bones. A whole new frontier has opened up. We have our first genetically modified hybrid. We just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out? Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab? Evacuate the island. She's a highly intelligent animal. She will kill anything. <laughs> Teresa Delgado and Trisha Barr. Repeat. And we're recording. You need to make words for our theme song like Jeff Goldblum had. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. He did did on, um, what was it on Fallon? Or was it on... It was one remember. of the late night talk shows. Yeah, he did. But um, welcome everybody to another episode of Fangirl Chat. On this one, we are talking dinosaurs, baby dinosaurs. Well, not really. They're not babies in this one. They were they in the, the petting zoo. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Can we talk about the dino petting zoo first, please? <laughs> sure. You can because talk I about totally this. I want to ride up. I want to ride a long neck, and I actually called it a long neck, even though it's not its name. The one that gets hugged by the child, and he's like, ugh. We're talking now about I Jurassic know our World. dino words. We're talking about <laughs> Jurassic World. And on the show, we have um, my co-host, Trisha Barr, is here. Say hey. Hi, everybody. Dinosaurs are awesome. You sound so enthusiastic about that. <laughs> um, and we also have Geek K. I'm, I believe it's pronounced dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yeah. Or Mr. DNA. Like I Mr. wish I had, DNA. had Jurassic Park when I went to go see it, and I still don't have one. But I want one that says Raptor Squad, but <laughs> like a black shirt that says Raptor Squad, but then it has to have like three claw marks like going through it, you know? Like <laughs> dinosaur scratched me kind of thing going on. That'd be cool. Did you guys like the movie? Because I loved it. I was screaming afterwards. The best part for me was actually the commentary of the two young boys. They were probably about six and eight sitting behind me through the whole movie commentating on it. So I enjoyed the movie. It it had some issues. I had some issues with it. (laughs) I thought thought it was fun, but there were definitely a bunch of issues with it. Well, I guess let's talk about those because I've heard people, or not really heard people, but I've seen a couple of people say, oh, well, you know, there's a little, like, some stuff, but it's okay. And I'm just, I don't know what they are because I went and I was like, this is amazing. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, people obviously didn't learn 
before, you know, <laughs> just because it's 22 <laughs> years later does not mean it's okay to make dinosaurs again, much less extremely modified dinosaurs with cuttlefish DNA so they can camouflage themselves because that's stupid. It was the cuttlefish. Well, let's just note that now we're talking it's had the biggest opening of the year yeah. now. It's bigger the, than Avengers well, 2. Yes, and it's had the biggest opening worldwide, um, opening weekend worldwide like ever. Yay for that. Also, it's also interesting because the last movie was what, like 14 years ago? 20-something years ago. Yeah, and and the last one. Well, that's really when was it was well, the first one. I'm talking about Jurassic Park three. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the, oh, last time there was something in theaters. We're acknowledging those. All right. <laughs> well, only for the to. sake of discussion of saying that it's been a long time since anything Jurassic Park has been in the movie theaters, and people are still enthusiastic about it. True. The audience was pretty evenly split from the numbers that I saw as far as male to female ratio of who's going to see it. Um, I think it was like 52 to 48 or something like that. 52% was male, 48% was female. So that's good. But the main thing I think is that a lot of the, I guess, video or video film critics or whatever believe that it would only make half as much as it made opening weekend total. They thought that it would make half of that, which mm -hmm. I think it's sitting around 200 something million in the U.S. So it's going to do better than anybody thought it would do. I believed it would do fantastic. <laughs> that, that just goes to show you that you shouldn't listen to film critics, right? Right. Is that, With them guessing right. numbers. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Guessing numbers. Well, I'm not surprised with the split because the original Jurassic Park had a very strong message for the, you know, the female character. And that was Laura Dern was just amazing. And women really were drawn to that movie. So I'm not surprised that the nostalgia comes from both sides. And I think that boys and girls like dinosaurs in general. So you can take your kids to go see the movie. Although there are a few hmm, naughty words in there. Yeah. Other than that, it's pretty tame. They really don't show. It sticks to the not showing too many grotesque things. So Except for that on one that level, scene towards the beginning. Where there's just like this big blood splatter. You're like, whoa. Yeah, but blood splatter. Whoa. It was just splatter, though. That was like <laughs> it. I almost thought the the uh, the tracker device kind of scene, oh, yeah. whatever it was, was gross. <laughs> in, it, in its skin and muscle and fat that it bit off of itself? <laughs> yes, the fat, exactly. That was fat. That was dino fat. <laughs> <laughs> That's because that dino wasn't getting enough exercise. I to go on a diet. Clearly, it did not. Okay, so let's talk about the few problems that you guys saw with it. Um, maybe, Trisha, start with your first one. We'll see if Kay agrees with you. Well, the the movie, who? Oh, so who is the protagonist of the movie? You guys tell me, who did you think from the marketing, and who did you think after the movie was the protagonist? Kay? I think you know what I'm going to say already. Um, it, they made Chris Pratt's character look like he was the protagonist, but clearly not him in the movie it's uh Bryce Dallas Howard's character Claire yes and Teresa who did you think going in and who did you see after you came out as the protagonist so before I answer that I think 
I know I'm a lot different than you, Trisha, because you actually write stuff, like mm -hmm. novels and characters and stuff. I've never really looked at stories that way of, like, who the protagonist is and who the antagonist is. Or if I do, I've never noticed it, you know? So <laughs> I just thought, okay, when the trailers, you know, Chris Pratt's character is, you know, going to be one of the main characters. And he was. And then the girl, they showed, you know, a lot about the girl and her relationship and stuff. And I was like, well, that's good, because now he has a girlfriend and they need each other. So, I mean, like, I never... I guess I just don't look at it that way of, you know, who they're, I guess I'm, I don't know. Well, it, on, on a looking at it, so today on Entertainment Tonight, it was all Chris Pratt's movie, Chris Pratt's movie, Chris Pratt's yeah. movie. Now he's the $500 man, and which he was very integral to getting people into the seats. I think that helped a lot. But the intention of the director was that, she was the the Bryce Dallas Howard. How, did I say that right? Yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard was the protagonist. That she's the character who goes through the arc. The story's about her. Now, marketing isn't necessarily his decision. It wasn't until he talked about it that it became apparent that that was his intention as a movie maker. But the so it'd be essentially them if 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 you were going to equate it to say Star Wars, it would be them saying that haunt giving. Harrison Ford all the credit for A New Hope being the success it was back in the day the way they're taught where the director is talking about it because the intention is that she is a character that's going through a journey and so it's interesting from that level how Chris Pratt is getting a lot of the um, credit but his character actually doesn't go anywhere as a matter of fact I think you could technically define him as the most brilliant example of a Mary Sue character ever, <laughs> ever in the history of storytelling. He has probably surpassed Captain Kirk as a Mary Sue. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with it, but if you wanted to put all the um, things in there that for a Mary Sue, he would be it. And he doesn't have so. to learn anything. He doesn't have to change his, well, he slightly changes his perspective on Claire, but, you know, not really. Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you do, and I, and that's the thing, I can go to a movie and have fun, and it was fun, it was fun, but there were some points where he was always, um, he was always had to, he knew everything, yeah. knew how to fight, knew how to train animals, he knew how to, that the animals obviously weren't all just dinosaur DNA, which is way too convenient for a guy who's a was apparently a Navy grunt and an animal trainer that he knows all this um, DNA and science stuff too. So <laughs> way too convenient and clever. <laughs> um, okay, so they forgot to have any scientist characters out there with them on the ground, so someone <laughs> had to say the stuff. I have no idea what a Mary Sue character is. Number one, number two. The girl's character, even her journey, bored me, and I didn't care about it. All I cared about was what he was going to do with his raptor, with his raptor pals, and how awesome they were going to be. So I guess for me, I just come at it differently. That like, you know, her story wasn't interesting to me. The kids weren't interesting to me. I wanted to see the dinosaurs and the guy who ruled the dinosaurs, and like that was my main focus when I was watching it. Well, and that and. 
and for that part, it was interesting. I was going to ask if you guys found the kids compelling because I didn't find them compelling at all either. They were kind of, especially the older brother was sort of like, eh, I don't even like him. I hope I was wishing that one would get eaten. That yeah, I know. <laughs> that would shake something up, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, the kids for me weren't interesting, and honestly, she wasn't interesting. Most of the time, I just wanted to slap her. Um, because I was just like, you are getting in the way of the story about the really cool dinosaurs and you need to change your <laughs> shoes. And it was really funny at one point, cause I, I leaned over to Greg and I was like, she's so, she's got on stupid clothes and stupid shoes. And then like almost right after that is when Chris Pratt had the line that where he was like <laughs> in those ridiculous shoes. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, it was funny because the shoes have been uh, a hot topic oh, yeah. on the internet. And one of the reasons she- that the the actress wanted them was to maintain femininity. And I'm going to come at it from a person who works in a job, who has a corporate job, who also has to go out and do field work. And I carry practical shoes. I, I don't, first of all, I don't think high heels have anything to do with femininity because I can wear a pink shirt and that says I'm feminine or I can wear a lipstick or however I want to do. And that says I'm feminine. So the shoes are, were a visual statement she wanted to make, but they're just kind of silly, especially the part when she's running away from the, the, the T-Rex. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, come on. You can't run in those things. But as a working woman, I, I really, yes. And there are things there are limitations in the film. Cause you can't, you know, you're not going to stop and change your shoes, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But she was in her car. I carry extra shoes in my car all the time. There actually were real practical reasons that she could have changed her shoes if we were going to talk about it. But as a, as a symbol of femininity, I think it's just kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. Um, and she was just this kind of stark image of, well, if you work in the corporate world, you either get to be, you know, you can't be a mother to succeed or... I don't know, then you run into sexy, hunky animal trainer and then you'll fall in love. So I was way more interested in the dinosaurs and the effects and seeing that kind of stuff. So that's what I liked about the movie. Well, I would say about the shoes that like I, I know women who will not wear anything but heels. And that's just who they are. And I feel like in the movie, she, you know, she spent most of her time, I think, in, you know, the on a concrete floor, you know, or whatever. And that when then she drove two sites and then was in dirt for a couple seconds and then back on concrete or metal or whatever again. So I wasn't surprised that she didn't have other shoes to wear and I wasn't bothered by I mean, like I've run before in in heels and I've walked through mud before in heels because the situation called for it. And I don't think it's, it's not impossible. It's not fun either. But, um, I, yeah, I wasn't, there are other things that bothered me way more than her shoe choice. So what's something, what's something else that bothered you, Kay? Um, one thing was when, uh, the pterodactyls were attacking everybody and the little one, I thought it was funny. That was a little one that attacked Owen (laughs) 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 and she picks up that gun and shoots, it off of him and you know that's kind of a big deal for her the situation pushed her to do that and but that's the same time her nephews are crossing paths with her again (laughs) and they see that but they celebrate him and don't 
recognize anything that she just did. I was like, why are they doing that? They, this is the first time they're seeing Owen, and they've already decided he's awesome, and he was just laying on the ground being attacked by a pterodactyl. Well, you know, I think for me, the way I saw that in the story is that she hasn't seen her nephew in seven years, so to them, she's a stranger, you know, and they don't have a lot of respect for her nor seem to care a lot for her, you know, so seeing her do that, and I come from this as a kid who's been neglected by family members or, you know, divorced parents or whatever, and it's going to take a hell of a lot more than you doing that for me to, you know, to, like, have any interest in what you're doing, you know, so I think it's just... But why are they celebrating him? He didn't do anything. It's a kid thing, you know, of just, you're, you don't want to, you don't want to acknowledge or respect or care about the person that you're supposed to, because then you're giving in to somebody who's ignored you for seven years, you know? There are pterodactyls involved. This is a, an extreme situation. <laughs> you would think, but, but kids don't work that way. Kids are tough, especially, especially the older ones at that age, they're, they're tough. And I come from teaching that age of child. I almost felt like the whole di- their parents getting a divorce was uh, like didn't even need to be there. Yeah, I felt it? like that was a lame part, you know. Yeah, it was just sort of in there to ma- get, I don't know. And then the kids, like he was like, oh, you remember that time at Grandpa's when you fixed the Jeep? Like, <laughs> setting, like setting up that he could fix the Jeep, whereas in Jurassic Park, we knew that the sister kind of wanted to be a hacker, so it made sense why she was able to figure out mm-hmm. how the, the locks worked and everything, because she knew how the computer worked. But it was just like, oh, we got here, and now we have to give the kids an excuse to know why they fixed the Jeep. Their whole storyline kept messing up the pacing. Because it was yes. like, danger, danger, danger. Wait, hold on. They have to bond for a moment. <laughs> okay, they bonded. We, now we can go back. Can we talk about that moment, though, where they go into the original Jurassic Park building? Because I, I cried at that point when they walked in and they pick up the T-Rex fossils, you know, from the one that came crashing down and the, the okay. banner that floats down and stuff. And then when he looks at the night goggles and they turn on, it was like that part I know was specifically geared towards me being the kid that saw Jurassic Park, you know, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Well, that was the movie, that was the, yeah, that was the movie Strength was its nostalgia. Um, it, you know, it drew back on memories and they got to I mean, it was pretty cool just back in the day getting to see. I, you know, I remember the first time you see the dinosaurs and this time they, you know, they got to ha- be in the gyrosphere and, you know, see even more dinosaurs and doing more things. And then it sort of went back and you go back and remember kind of how amazing and just to see all the little, what did that banner say that they, when, when dinosaurs, dinosaurs ruled, ruled the earth yeah. or, yeah. And so that was really cool. I almost felt like I was wishing that they could have used more of, the old school technology to, in the plot to actually defeat them. Uh-huh. We used the old. We used that's when I saw that I was like, okay, there's going to be something really clever here. And I guess the clever thing was they had the T Rex in waiting. But well, did y'all did y'all even think about the T Rex like when all the attacks were happening and you know the Indominus and is it Indominus? Ab, I keep wanting to call Indom- it like the Abominable in- Snowman. Uh, <laughs> 
the Indominus Rex is like running around. I I actually said this to Gregor. I was like, um, get the T Rex. Hello. <laughs> like, why have you not let the T Rex out? What did the kids say? They need more teeth. Yeah, need more Isn't that what he said? Yeah. Like, they need more teeth. And it's like, oh, oh. I was like, That's a heavy handed <laughs> intro to what's going to happen next. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that's actually something that bothered everything. I don't know exactly where. I want to say somewhere around the midpoint in the movie. All of a sudden, everything became super predictable for me. Did you guys have any moments that like made you jump or surprised you at all? I had one, but it's kind of funny that you brought that up because that's actually a part of the movie that I loved was the fact that it was so predictable because, you know, like being the kid, like I think I was like seven or eight years old when Jurassic Park came out, watching it, you know, and then reading the book because I didn't know there was a book before and then all that stuff, you know, I just sort of was like, I was the one in the theater that was sitting there going, well, they've shown him three times. He's going to get eaten first. <laughs> and then going, you're dumb. You're dumb. I, why are you doing that? Like, you didn't learn before, you know. And then when they were talking about letting the raptors out, and I'm just like, you know what? You let the raptors out because you're so concerned about the raptors since the first time that you've obviously trained them, you know, well enough that you could actually use them. So you should let the raptors out. I don't know. It was it was something that was enjoyable for me because I kind of felt like I was a Jurassic Park expert, you know, and I was watching all these idiots and it was bad. <laughs> um, but the one part, yeah, the one part that got me was when the uh, the big water dinosaur I don't know, remember oh, his name. The Mosasaurus or something Mon- like that. Something, yeah. When he comes out and he gets him, I was like, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> That's true. Well, and, you know, it's funny because you're saying that the character, one of the clever things about Jurassic Park is none of the characters are dumb. Mm-hmm. They're all really, really, they have a genius. They have a dino expert. They have a paleobotanist. Uh, um, the, um, the kids are smart. The Mace Windu, Sam Jackson <laughs> character is smart. The, the hacker guy is smart. And I can't, the guy from Seinfeld. Oh, they're all Nedry. smart. Yeah, Nedry. So they're all smart in that movie. Everybody's smart. And they still get, you know, they have to, they get in a situation that's just, they don't see the gaps and they're kind of, we're all running towards a certain thing. We're going to make this great thing. And then, you know, all of a sudden chaos. And then how do these smart people kind of outthink it and get out of the situation as opposed to in this movie, a lot of people were just not, they were just having trouble. And the only smart person was the animal trainer who was at some point in the Navy, I guess that's why he was supposed to be able to carry the guns and do the things. But that was probably <laughs> my favorite part was seeing the Raptor gang. So kudos to them for even thinking of that and for the uh, the Raptor gang. Um, but that did play into the heavy handed trope of the women will serve the uh, even the female care female dinosaurs will serve the male leader or be swayed by them to do something including throw themselves at indominus rex to save him so well you know the animal kingdom is that way i mean the lion like the female lionesses they do all the hunting but they are controlled by the alpha male of the pack so you know that 
well, you would think humans would have evolved, but animals are that way in almost every animal culture. You know, the male, the alpha male is the one that controls all of yeah. them. Yeah, but the, the interesting thing is that there's nothing in the movie that shows you that he even is skeptical that he can control them. Oh, yeah. And they don't. They still try to eat him, but it's supposedly his compassion. This is what it's I me, guys. have yeah, yeah, they infer- they inferred way much to way too much humanity into the creatures yeah. in that moment where it's like, oh, he has a moment of compassion, and then those animals that are are brilliant predatory animals all of a sudden decide, well, we'll have compassion for you back instead because they had turned. I was I was joked. I I said this is like um, a high school a girl high school. Um, <laughs> So, you know, teenage, like, yeah. 16 candles or something, because the girls, like, flip-flop between who their leader is, which is um, not really how, you know, velociraptors are supposed to be. The, it, it, that's how I infer to, like, they're just these fickle girls. I'll change their mind. I'm going to be, I'm going to follow the Indominus, and then I'm going to follow you, and then we're going to eat the T-Rex. Well, and the and, conversation that happened between the raptor and the Indominus towards the end. Yes. <laughs> that was, <laughs> was I actually, almost expecting subtitles there. I actually kind of love that. I love the fact that we found out that the Indominus has Raptor in, you know, in its whatever, genes or whatever. And I thought that was really cool. And then the conversation where they're having where he fights back, and I think it's Blue, is the one that comes to defend Chris Pratt's character. And for me, I thought it was just, you know, where they see him as part of their pack, you know, and like... Maybe they didn't see it for a little while. They got confused. And then, you know, they get clear, clear mind and realizes that he's part of the pack. And so he tries to defend him. Um, and I love the end scene where the T-Rex and the Velociraptor are trying to take down this guy together. And I was like, yeah, Dino team up. I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually got to watch it um, in D-Box. I don't know if either of you have heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it. For anybody who's not familiar with it, it's um, a couple, there's only so many theaters in the country that have it, and there are certain seats, and they are like they have motors in them, so they move the program to move along with the movie. And at that point, the seats are like going side to side and be smashing like into each other. And I was like, wait, which dinosaur am I? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be really cool, like if they could have you know, like it spraying water when she's like sniffing out. <laughs> You know, or it could do hot That's air Muppet when. Vision 40. Yeah, when she's um, and some of the stuff with the with the you know hiding and being still was things that they didn't. If you hadn't seen the first movie, you might not get that you needed to be still so that the they don't like they didn't explain any of that. No, they didn't in, in this movie. So I was thinking, if you're a kid, if you're a kid and you didn't don't know the whole thing about you know, you can't move or the dinosaur will see you because that was a big point in the, in the, you know, the first movie, don't move or he'll see you. And, and then, but you know, that was a whole point. They were always being still, but they never explained that, that you could, you know, out, you could, they see movement, not things necessarily. Right. But that's only true with the T-Rex. The T-Rex is the only one that has that, um, that if you're still, he doesn't see you. Velociraptors can see you no matter what you do. And I don't know about the Indominus Rex. The Indominus Rex had T-Rex in him, but he also had a raptor in him, so I would guess that it wouldn't matter what you did. Um, Indominus well, Rex had, could do whatever you need him to do in the well, situation you put him in. 
Yeah, and and Indominus Rex, the the clever thing they did was Indominus Rex was so big that actually when it would go down and sniff, it couldn't see things sometimes. So mm-hmm. that's how they got away with that. It kept it doing go... that where it would put its head in somewhere and like be polite and then come back yeah. and smash through. Well, that was because it was it was a very clever girl instead of just clever girl it was a very clever girl did any of you guys think that it actually did jump like climb out of its paddock at the very beginning when they show you know the claw marks on the wall and they're like oh no because there's no way that what what through to me was if it climbed out you would have felt it yeah everybody would have known and so they were like, where is it? And I'm like, if it had climbed out, you would have known because it would have had to jump. And, it, you know, the whole movie is about the earth shaking. And then I, I was like, no, it's still in there. This is not going to, this is not going to, the whole time they were walking around the cage, I'm like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> so I was like, and then you're just like, oh, look, it's the heavy set guy. I guess he's going to get eaten. I actually eventually. said early on, I was like, I hope he dies. Like, I do not like you. And um, do either of you watch New Girl? Yes. Okay, because when Nick came on the screen, I was like, it's Nick! It's Nick. It's Nick. (laughs) And that's exactly who he was in the movie. He was was totally Nick. Nick. He was, like, 100% Nick. It was great. Yeah, with the shirt and just everything. So, yeah, it was... there. I mean, that was fine for that. Um, I just thought they could have... They could have cut, you know, there was a whole, there's a whole engine thing and then the Jurassic World part of the corporate trying to get it and the engine having their sub text and then the kids getting a divorce and Claire, Claire, that's her name, Claire having her, her journey. And it was just like, there were so many things they were trying to do so many things. I'm like, okay, we just could have slimmed this down and kept. I don't know, and they might they might have gotten it. I feel yeah. like the you know the original Jurassic Park, everything had so much more weight to it, and this had so many pieces that were just flying around, and it was some sometimes it was hard to like really care about characters, especially before they were eaten, because you saw so little of them. I mean, I think the original Jurassic Park carries a lot of weight because I mean it is based on a Michael Crichton novel, you yeah. know, whereas the rest of these are just made up. Um, you know, scripts or whatever. And so it's not like this is coming from the genius of Michael Crichton, and it can't be because he's dead. So one of the interesting things was, well, I was actually more disappointed when I heard Trevor O say that he had, he intended for her to be the focus of the story, because it, if that was his intention, he, he failed on that part. If he just said, yeah, I was making this as like Chris Pratt was the dude bro and Owen was the guy and that's the movie I'm making, I would have been like, okay, well, that's what you made. But when he went out there and tried to, he sold it as, you know, this is what I, you know, I'm trying to do. This is supposed to be, you know, power woman movie. That's not what it no, was. No, it wasn't that. Uh, it was. I mean, he, so if that's what he was trying to do, he he didn't do that, and so on that part, it's a little disappointing because after reading the press and where he was talking about what he was trying to do, if that was his intention, and a lot of things that I saw too for Trevor o was he didn't predict what a lot of people were going to say, how people were going to react, and that's one of the problems when you you know he was essentially what Brad Bird. Um, recommended him because mm-hmm. he said he was he was a lot like me so he got this recommendation for making um you know smaller movies so when you come into this big box office and he seems like he's very um 
has he listens and he's taking it all in and he'll learn some lessons from it but he definitely didn't see how and that's one of the things that I always talk about if you're telling stories on these this mega level you need to understand how everybody's going to react to it so I think this is going to be a blockbuster but I also don't think it's going to have the not going to be a classic it's not going to be a classic and it's not going to be the you know there were a lot of awards in Jurassic Park there were and it's not going to this movie's not going to beat that movie in that regard Jurassic Park will always be a way better movie than this movie was even though the box office suggests something different I oh, think it will be one almost I mean, I love nods and hat tips and everything but I think this one almost spent too much time doing that yeah. I yeah I don't know I mean I I think I have a different opinion um than both of you, I think y'all are kind of on the same page. I'm over here going, I love it. Like, I would go <laughs> I didn't, see it again. I didn't not like it. And I do feel like I could see it again and get more things out of it. But yeah, I, I for me, like, this is the sequel I've been waiting for since the original Jurassic Park. And for me, like, I would put it right there, like, on the same level with on my shelf of, like, you know, order that I love movies in, it would sit on the same place as Jurassic Park for me. But that's just how much I love freaking dinosaurs. <laughs> um, really, really do. You know, I would love to see it again. And I think it's, I think, I don't know. I think it's a great, enjoyable movie. Like, I can honestly say out of all the movies that I have seen recently, this is probably the best one. And last movie I saw was Pitch Perfect 2 and... Oh, dear. So, and I wanted to like that really bad. Really did. I mean, when we could think about, think about all of the movies, like, this summer is pretty weak for movies. So, on the list of summer movies, this is probably going to be the best one. Because I don't yeah, count, I don't count the Avengers 2 as being a summer movie, because it came out way too early. I would say the summer movies kind of started with Memorial Day, and that was kind of with Tomorrowland, which was a bust. So for the summer movies, but we'll see. Inside Out comes out this weekend. Yeah, it was funny. What Brad Brad Bird didn't do didn't do Jurassic Park. He did Tomorrowland <laughs> or Jurassic World. Excuse me, he did Tomorrowland, and he also turned down Star Wars. Star Wars. Sorry. So <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how the whole year pans out for for everybody. But you know, sometimes the, it happen things happen the way they're supposed to happen when you're. Uh, taking jobs, so we still have a lot more big movies to come with Mockingjay Part Two and then Oof. The Force Awakens. So, well, The Force Awakens is going to have the biggest global whatever, whatever. <laughs> so Ooh, I'm predicting well, that from now. us each going to see it 15 times. Right? Times. I mean, how many times do you think you'll see it? Like the opening day, what just once or more than once? Well, I'll probably only see it once because I'm in Austin and I'm pretty sure that the Alamo Draft House will be doing, you know, a marathon of all six and then ah, so seven. You'll see all of them. So I'll see all of them. So I'll probably only see it once, but over like I'd say like the first week, I'll probably go at least three times, probably. Teresa, obviously, you're going to tell people to go see it. Are you going to go heck see it again? Yeah, heck yeah, I am. Just got to find a time to go. Be like, I want to see the dinosaurs. I mean, I made Greg take me to Target so that I could look and find out how much the Raptor 4-pack is. It's like 30 bucks at Target, and they're actually big, but I want them, and I want to put them in my room. <laughs> I want I want all of my Raptor friends. <laughs> and how, like, 
do you think this is a movie for kids being the teacher? Like, would you say what age kids, my kids? Yes. My high school yeah. kids. Definitely. Um, I don't teach middle school or elementary, so I can't say, um, I could say for my five-year-old nephew, no, um, for my 14 year old nephew, yes, except for that he won't go because he gets scared. So he won't go. My eight and 10 year old nephews both went to see it. So, uh, and they enjoyed it. So I, and, and my, my sister is pretty, um, how would you say protective of what they do and don't see. So they liked it. There was, it, it, there was a toddler in front of me. The toddler was not interested in it most of the time. Really? Yeah. Hmm. A lot of climbing around and whining and but there was one point where it got really quiet and something bad was about to happen and the toddler just went uh oh he in the d box yeah he was in the yeah mm. which i thought was a weird choice as a parent but yeah, that's we up to them. shake them just <laughs> be done all right and so Kay, where can everybody find you at geek underscore k on twitter and then my writings on fangirl blog Teresa. I am at Ice Cold Penguin on everything, and you can um, check out some of the stuff I write on FangirlNextDoor.com. And Yay. Trisha. And I'm at Fangirl Cantina and also writing on Fangirl Blog, and you can find Teresa and I on Fangirls Going Rogue on the Rebel Force Radio Network, and the next issue should be out right after this airs. So. Yeah. Check it out. We're going to be talking Star Wars music and uh, something called an epiversary. Yeah, epiversary. <laughs> We've almost had 20 of them episodes. So, yeah, everybody, check it out. And thanks for listening.